Welcome to Face Forward, an African podcast on family run by the Strathmore University Institute of Family Studies and Ethics. Our host this week is Christine Jane, and our guests this episode are the Nihas, a couple that have been happily married for 27 years and blessed with six children, four boys and two girls. James Niha is an advocate of the High Court of Kenya, admitted to the bar in 1993. He holds a Bachelor of Laws degree from the University of Nairobi with a postgraduate diploma from the Kenya School of Law. He also holds a Master's degree in Applied Philosophy and Ethics from Strathmore University. He is a senior partner in Yeha, Mukoma and co-advocates. He is an alumnus of Strathmore Business School, the Wharton School, Said Business School and Harvard Law School, having attended and successfully completed executive education programs in the Said Schools. He is an accredited mediator in Kenya and a certified executive leadership coach. Apart from legal issues, James has a special interest in family matters and the growth and enrichment of married couples in their marriage. In causes given together with his wife, he uses his expertise in mediation and executive coaching to help couples in their journey. Catherine Nyiha is a wife, mother, homemaker, and an advocate of the High Court of Kenya, admitted to the bar in 1993. She holds a Bachelor of Laws degree from the University of Nairobi with a postgraduate diploma from the Kenya School of Law. She also holds a master's degree in law from the University of Liverpool, England. She's a partner in Nyiha, Mukoma and co-advocates. She's an alumnus of Strathmore Business School, having attended and successfully completed several executive education programs in the Said School. She's also a practicing member of the Institute of Certified Secretaries. Catherine is passionate about family matters and particularly in the growth of married couples in their marriage. She runs a bookselling service that specializes in marriage, parenting, and Catholic spiritual books to help build strong, thriving, and happy families. Together with her husband, she gives marriage enrichment sessions to help couples in their journey. Welcome to today's episode on the family. We have the pleasure of having the Nihas today, and they're going to be discussing equity and equality in the family. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And we'll, I'll start by asking, um, what does equity and equality really mean in the basic sense in a family setup? In a family setup, equity would be, equity is uh, fairness, which would mean then treating each child differently because according to their needs, because this child had different needs, different capabilities, different, maybe in a different season at any one given time, a season in their lives, so to treat them with fairness. Equality, on the other hand, is treating each child the same irrespective of their needs. For example, I decide that everyone will get one shot or that, um, you know, irrespective of what their needs are, that they will just be treated equal. They will be given the same treatment. This could result in yeah, yeah, that is equality. Or maybe a child with special needs is treated exactly the same as the others. Or an expectant mother is treated the same as everyone else could be tired. Or a newborn. So equity is fairness. Equality is equal treatment. 
uniform treatment to every member of the family. Just to add for what she's saying is that um, in a family setting, you notice that you, you can't really, you, you have equality when it's needed, but mostly it's about equity because parents realize that this child is unique. Each child, there's no two children who are the same. No? So at various points in time, some child or other will have more need than others. So you might have a specific child who is having special difficulties, or maybe they are a candidate that year, for example, if like we, we have six kids and we've had through, we've had several candidates in the year of candidacy, either KCPE or from four KCSE, that particular year, that child, you give him or her more attention, more, that is equity, that is being fairness, is recognizing that that particular child needs more attention than others. What she has said, equality is on the other hand, is just drawing a line, you know, and say, I dedicate some, only this time for the children, and even the ones, maybe you have a kid who have special needs, then you dedicate the same, it's, it's really not fair, you know? in a family yeah. setting and it comes naturally yeah it's it's not something that you as parents at least in my experience it's not something you mm -hmm. sit down and think okay how much time do i allocate to this or no it just happens no it's i think it's that thing that maybe is innate to parenting thank you for that so talking of coming out naturally innate in a parent is that where we end up having some favoritism of some sort and it comes out naturally <laughs> because we often find that there's one favorite child in a lot of family setups or two or you know but there's always that one special child why why does that happen if you're talking of <laughs> treating all children you know same equally yeah. uh -huh. it's true that happens and uh, sometimes you don't even realize it. You just notice that you gravitate towards mm. one child. But I think for parents, if you notice that, because the other kids also notice it. And they will, when they will call you out on it, they'll yeah. say, why do you not beat this one the way you, you, you know, why the way you beat the rest of us? Or why do they get off so lightly with mm -hmm. misbehavior? So, I think um, it can happen, for example, if parents keep comparing siblings, mm -hmm. for example, in academic performance, why don't you perform, why don't you get so, marks like so-and-so? Again, it boils down to, uh, it can happen uh, inadvertently, but a parent, if your parent is aware of it, then they can counter it. For example, by okay. recognizing that one child is really better academically than the other, but the other who is not strong academically has their own specific gifts that need to be highlighted and uh, affirmed so that they don't feel that there's a favorite. I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it has to be a very intentional thing on the part of the parents to not have favorites. If you notice that one, as parents, you notice that one seems to be getting spoiled or they comment about it, the other kids, then it falls on parents, I think, to be able to counter that by being okay. able to find each child their specific strengths because each child has their own strengths because each child is unique so you can't compare one child to another one why can't you be like your brother or your sister yeah in fact my view is that in, in that 
thing of comparisons, um, gravitating maybe towards the one who obeys you most or easiest, the one who you send and they obey with alacrity, as opposed to another who you will obey, or you will send, and it's like they have uh, chain links on their feet as they move like the old prisoners in the, in the Dickens times, no? Uh, mm -hmm. They move slowly and all. You, you, you gravitate towards the one that is sort of pleasing you. I think, as Kathy is saying, that that is a bit uh, is wrong. Not a bit wrong. It's wrong because the one who is not obeying you as swift as the other. What is the problem? Why is he or she not doing that? But the solution is not to sort of sort of molecule now the one that who is. Uh, sort of catering into your needs by saying yes and all that stuff. Okay. All right. Well said. Thank you for that. Now, this is not, not about children, but mainly for the couples there. So studies show that uh, family income and resources are not necessarily pulled or shared equally um, between partners. Yeah? Practices that can entrench domestic gender inequalities. And men are also more likely than women to use family income for personal spending and to have more leisure time. So how can we make this work better for women? Yeah, also for men, okay, for women, in this case, <laughs> for women, because that is really short. Uh -huh. That's a, a very good question. You know, they, it's, a, it's one of the issues that actually brings a bit of strife in the family. Money sometimes is quite sticky. Yeah. And uh, I, we believe that couples need to understand, first of all, why they're in the marriage. What is the marriage? You know? And um, so that irrespective of who is bringing what, it is not my money or your money, it is our money. So yes, of course, naturally the husband or the, the man is the one who is out there hunting and bringing in the money. But it is wrong for that person, the man, then to think, oh, I'm the one who is uh, lifting the heavyweight here, and uh, therefore I am entitled to go out and play golf as you, or to be with the, my friends as the, the wife is out there in the home, constrained in the home, looking after the children and looking after the home. So he's getting more leisure time, He's getting, uh, he's using more of the money on himself because he's thinking that, look, I'm the one who is generating this. That is where the, I think there's a, there's a mistake there because they, the, a person in such a situation needs to understand that, yes, I am bringing the money. I am not longer alone. I am with this beautiful lady and we have children or we've been blessed with children if they have been blessed with children. So all this has a purpose and the purpose is for the family, no? for the family. So I don't get more right more rights because I'm bringing in money. Why? Because if my wife is earning a little less, but she's giving herself 100% also to the marriage. You know? So it should be something like, it's our money, not mine. I think that is what brings in the, the issue. And there's the other issue of that the, it's, it's a bit of unfair for the man to think, because I'm bringing in the money, then I should be the one uh, taking leisure time men should also enable their wives to have leisure time because the wife also needs to distress once in a while. 
and they need to come up with ways, innovative ways, either they go out together for a date, for example, to, to the man and the wife, and that's something actually we do. We usually try at least weekly or bi-weekly to go out for a date, you know, because she's here cooking and slogging and working at the same time. And so she needs to distress. So we go out for a date. Or the man can also, if they are kids, get the take the kids away somewhere, and, and so that the wife can go and have her, um, her time, you know, her mm, time some to renewal time, some renewal time for hobbies or meeting with her friends mm -hmm. or to pursue whatever activity, personal activities, leisure activities that you know that uh, renew her as a person. Money is a tool for the marriage, not not a power, a power, a power game. It's a it's a tool to facilitate the activities of the family and should not be used as a tool of power because really it's family money. So then the couple should be able to sit down and agree how to use that money, plan for it, set goals like a short-term, medium and long-term goals, but this should be done together. Again, also, it is good if there's transparency. It's necessary to have transparency when handling this money so that each spouse knows what the other is earning that there's no crisis surrounding finances because then that indicates a lack of trust mm -hmm. so that uh, yes that would be transparency in the finances and then um to be able to plan together for those finances for the good of the family and for the couple themselves for example to have an emergency fund supposing there's a sickness in the family Mm -hmm. or COVID comes, then to have an emergency fund so that the money does not create hostility, but rather mm -hmm. creates an enabling environment, yes, for the couple. Thank you. Now that you're talking about finances, how do finances play out in the different generations of couples? So for instance, um, I believe you're an older couple compared to the younger generations we have right now. And looking at the dynamics we have, uh, today, which system do you think works better in terms of how couples um, spend um, or at least manage their finances? The, in the older generation, generally was the man is out, uh, the, the wife is, has a less demanding job and taking care of the kids and the family generally. The couple, younger couples nowadays, you find most both of them are out there slogging it out. You know? That's generally the idea. You are when both could be CEOs or have their own businesses and they are very busy and they have family. So they are, they are working in that setting. And whereas that could be the case, but the issue of finances in marriage doesn't change because they, I, there is no hard and fast rule of how to handle finances either for the older generation or the younger generation the idea is that the couple agree and what Catherine Tati had said transparency where problem is where when uh, you find a husband has a secret account somewhere where the wife has no idea or the husband will not disclose to the wife everything he makes you know? and, vice versa. and vice versa that the wife thinks no i need a bit for myself for a rainy day uh, you, you can see there's a disconnect there because if you are married fully committed to each other what is this rainy day for yourself that the other person doesn't know 
So there's no hard and fast. It's, it's how you agree. And this has been since the older, the younger, the our age, mm -hmm. how you, what works for you. So mm -hmm. there's no right or wrong way of doing it. It's yeah. what works for you. But what Cathy said, it's very important to have something together mm -hmm. so that in case something together available for both because we have seen sometimes situations both of us are lawyers so we see situations where a person has died the wife knows that there's a lot of money in an account which she used to be given but she cannot access that money because the person is dead without having to go to court so that the kids suffer from school, they have issues of resettling and things like that. So you're going to have something. I was going to say that each family is unique. So therefore, the solution to handling finances is unique to each, to each family, so long as the couple sit down and agree. And uh, yeah, one of the best places to agree on this financial management is during a date. Yeah, <laughs> so that the couple ah. can discuss discussed issues yeah without children around and relaxed in a relaxed manner so that they really agree this is what we have and this is how we want what is the vision for our family yeah. what vision do we have for family financially like five years from now 10 20 years from now and then they are able to to work with the money as a couple so that it doesn't matter who bringing who brings in more it's a pool of money for the couple. It doesn't mean that people can't have uh, individual accounts. That's also entirely up to the couple. It's, it, but there should be a common fund where either or is, you know, is a, you, you can, you, as in one person can access the money even when the other is not there. For example, when they are sick or they are unconscious or they are dead, then there should be that common fund for the family always, yeah. Um, I know you've talked about a couple agreeing on how to spend the money. Find that how do the gender dynamics play out in a family where now the woman becomes the sole provider, either because the man has lost a job or you know, medical conditions and you know all those other conditions that may result to this. How do the gender dynamics work out there when yet you know you know the father is seen to be the provider and the head of the family? And it's actually mm. more recent now. Um, okay, in the in the past, no, looking at the past and what we have right now, also where um, the woman maybe earns more, or generally, you know, has that upper hand. Um, how do the gender dynamics work out there? That has been an issue that we've been reading about more and more often, mm -hmm. and. Uh, because nowadays women are out there making it and sometimes making it big time, you know? And they have husbands at home, you know? All these uh, CISU ladies that we read about in the, in the, in the papers, course, presumably have husbands in the house and they earn more. But when it comes to roles, um, since a marriage is not founded on money, Money is not the foundation of marriage. You know? mm -hmm. And then who earns more should naturally not bring a problem. Now the roles remain irrespective of who earns more. Because my wife is earning more than I does not mean that she is the head of the home. 
because that's my natural role as the husband no? mm -hmm. and i should be the head of the home i should also try to to provide as much as i can and she's providing more but i should try and never relinquish that role because she is earning more than i am doing no? and there are out there couples who that has and it works for them the wife is the one who became the ceo and the husband decide they agree look i'm the head of the home i'm the one i make certain decisions and um i then gravitate more towards uh, picking the kids more uh, doing things uh, that you would have done and it's we know couples like that and it works pretty well for them and there's no uh, friction for the man I think what the real need of a man in a family scenario, in a marriage, is the respect for the, from the wife. You know? They say that in all the books that we read, is that the man, what he really yearns for is respect. So as long as the, the wife who is earning more does not start disrespecting the man, there's normally no problem. But the problem comes now when the wife starts disrespecting the man and maybe Kathy can cover the other way then we need the innate need of of a, of a wife even if she's earning a little bit more yeah the basic need of the wife in the relationship is affection so that means that uh, she may be earning more but she needs affection from her husband to be able even to respect him to see that he is trying. Affection is not just sweet words. Affection is trying to pull some weight in whichever way. Because uh, if someone is earning more in the office, let's say, then there's the other job of picking. We were told of a couple sometime where the man is the one who in the, they have agreed. And the man is the one who picks and drops the children from school, cooks for them against societal you know, constructs and all manner of uh, you can imagine how the peer pressure that is there, negative, but they have agreed and that is how they work it out. But the respect for a man is his basic need, it must be there, and for the lady is affection. So it is for the couple to decide, look, again this boils down to what we say, that the money belongs to the family. It's coming into the family kit. So if someone has been is in a position to earn more, if it's the lady, this time, the other time we talk about the, the man, then it is good for the family to have more money. And then the husband is there trying also to, to do what he can, not relaxing and deciding that the wife can do everything because then that also doesn't earn him respect. It needs to be seen to pull weight, try and fail, uh, try and bring in whatever he can and also pull more um, weight on the, in the, home, the, home, the home front. The home care or the children caring for the children now the other thing is that um irrespective of who is working in the office and who is earning more the child caring role is for both parents always whatever the age of the children because sometimes it is uh, we have had it say that the younger the younger children should be more taken care of by the wife but then this brings problems because when these children are teenagers, then the dad now is trying to connect with them. And if he didn't connect with them when they were toddlers or infants, then it becomes a real problem. 
so that working in the office, however much it's bringing in, but the child caring role cannot be relegated uh, to one person or to one, but it's for both. Because child caring is a priority. In fact, the work of the office is supposed to facilitate this work of the home, of caring for the children and bringing them up and educating them in the home. Thank you for the insight. Um, yeah. you, you've talked about uh, child caring growth being for both, for both parties, you know, from stories I've had, a lot of things that I have read as well. Um, it's huh, not easy for a lot of men to take up the child caring, the, you know, caregiving roles in the family. May, is it uh, a societal thing, a cultural thing? And how can we encourage men to do this? Because as you're saying, it's, it needs both parties together, but it's not something a lot of men easily do. That is very true because uh, <laughs> some men will say, in my culture, for example, I cannot be seen to step in the kitchen to wash yeah. dishes in my culture. Uh, so in one of the conversations we had, we asked somebody who was saying, in my culture, it is anathema. So just out of the blue, tell, uh, told him that, suppose your wife is ill. He said, no, see, I'll have a house help. And suppose the house help that day leaves and gives you notice and takes off. He said, no, we'll go and buy junk food. So we asked him, how, for how long will you buy junk food? Because, because you have to go, it's your home. And the children can't eat junk food. Forever. Forever, it's they need home. nutritious meals, yeah. I, I think this, cultural constructs that we put that I cannot do, I cannot hold a baby, I cannot um, change the diapers of a baby. I think it's, a, it's, it's an escapism for the men. It's just mm -hmm. trying to be in the comfort zone that I want to be comfortable. I do not want to, to soil my hands. No? But the wife did not get the baby alone. No? Sometimes, for example, it has happened to us that she, she has had a cesarean section. You wouldn't expect her to get up at night to lift the baby. No? You, as a man, you do that. And that's what all men should do. No? And I, 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 let me repeat, I think for men, it's, it's an escaping escapism it's to say that, no, this is a, it's a, a role. And in my culture, I cannot do I, th I think those are ways of escaping. Your family is you, your wife, and if God gives you children, then you are, they are yours, the two of you. So why can't you learn how to change diapers, you know, as a man? Because it's your kid, you no? Know? How do you, yeah. how, why can't you learn how to wash the baby, you know? Okay, making sure you don't drop the baby, because <laughs> washing sometimes is a bit, uh, <laughs> I tried it, it's a bit uh, tricky because you are very slippery, but... <laughs> if if uh, you can, you do it. There's no, there's no big deal. Also, I think from the other side of the coin that uh, the, the ladies also can assist the men to learn how to take care of the baby so that we are not behaving like super women who know it all when it comes to baby care and allow the men to learn or even teach them because the baby has a father and a mother belongs to both so that the dad who is not able to breastfeed can change the baby or can play the baby or can put the baby to sleep 
or bottle feed the baby if that is uh, you know appropriate so that the child caring role is not delegated is not given left to the mother alone because then that becomes a very it becomes unfair on the child and on the father also and the mother because the child needs both parents from the first from the time they are born and uh, mm -hmm. the couple needs to work as a team in caring for these children whether financially or emotionally or physically it should be teamwork yeah so that uh, these roles actually have nothing to do with gender but it's about supporting each other in periods of different needs because you could find that for example if it's man or the woman who, has, who is bringing in the finances maybe they have a big meeting the next day so maybe the the person who is staying at home can you know can get up at night to take care of the baby to feed the baby or if uh, maybe the wife is recovering from the a difficult child but then the husband would have to take care of the baby more especially let the wife rest at night so she can heal and be able to take care of the baby and the rest of the family and even take care of the husband because for sure a sick wife or a wife in pain cannot take care even of the husband so it's actually in the husband's interest to ensure that the wife rests and heals first and take care of the family yeah yeah so i think i think sometimes the roles as society um, First of all, the role of man and woman, they are natural. Mm -hmm. They are natural that the woman is the natural and the man is the provider, yes. But we have, as you have said, sometimes it's the other way around that you have to take on a role like the woman is earning more, the husband is staying at home. Then it's for the couple to sit down and agree and know that it is for the good of their family and not to listen to any negative peer pressure that may be, that will certainly be brought to bear upon them. When they take on roles that are seen as not conventional maybe but to know what is good for the family and this is where you want to do it and agree and just do it thank you and this is a, a last question it's tied on it's tied into what you mentioned about teamwork and the family working together so um how will you balance uh, serving your family and not overdoing is there anything like over <laughs> overdoing in the family, <laughs> first of all? And secondly, um, you don't want to feel like you're overdoing <laughs> or overworking in the family and taking on someone else's role. So how would you balance that, um, ensuring you're not disadvantaging the other spouse or the other party and also you're not feeling uh, disadvantaged? Um, I think the first thing I'll say is that uh, in a marriage, each partner goes in to give themselves 100%. They don't go mm -hmm. in to give 50%. And then the reason being that you might find at any one time that actually it's rare that you find that people are giving 50 and 50 exactly because life is simply not like that. You find that sometimes one is giving maybe 70, the other 30. Or then the other way, the other another time the one was giving 30 is now giving 80, the other one 20. Because people in the marriage, the couple are strong at different times. One is always stronger and one weaker. So it has to be each person aiming to give 100% of themselves in the marriage. And why is this? Because giving is actually what loving is about. To love is to give of oneself. And you don't calculate how much you will love. You simply love with everything you've got. That's what a marriage is. It's not 
um, a kind of a ratio where you're like, now when I do my 50 now, the rest can burn. Now I don't care because I've, I've given my, my 50. Part. Yeah, I've done my part. It's not like that. It's not a partnership. It's not, it's, um, it's a hundred percent. Each gives a hundred percent. And this giving a hundred percent is not dependent on how much the other spouse gives. Because then that is very dangerous. If you are going to be looking how much the other is giving, then I decide how much I'm going to give, then that is, it's, um, a very calculating kind of relationship and that's not a loving it's not a marriage loving marriage relationship so it's about giving 100 percent and the other one gives 100 percent or it's about me giving 100 percent irrespective of whether the other is giving 100 or not because you can imagine if people decide i'm giving a, a maybe 50 and the other one is supposed to give 50 but they are not giving then i let it slide so what happens is that the marriage will suffer the children will suffer the home will suffer um so maybe this thing of um, feeling disadvantaged sometimes can manifest itself in someone feeling that they are not achieving their career growth the way they would have wanted because of family commitments. Now this, is, I think usually this happens to, the, to us women. So it could be that the children are small. You could decide that if you're in a space to do so, if you have, it's within your possibility, you could say that when they are small, I will take a less demanding job so that I'm more there for the children. Because again, you do want to be in a very committed job that doesn't leave much time for the family, because then who is passing values? Who is teaching your children values? Is it you or are they getting them from somewhere else, from the household or the TV or some gadget or some funny site? And then when the children are older, then you can um, take a more demanding job. Or you could decide to, to work from home. Now COVID has shown us that depending on what job you are doing, sometimes it's possible to work. Even you could work from home some of the days, even if not all of the days. That's another option. Um, in other words, uh, feeling disadvantaged, I don't know exactly what you have in mind because it could be feeling disadvantaged. Maybe if the person is feeling very tired, then you could take make sure that you have some renewal time regularly, mm -hmm. a free day in the week when you go and play golf or do your nails or whatever it is that renews you so that mm -hmm. you're able to give 100% back when you come back to the home. Because also as human beings, you're not able to give 100% seven days a week, you know, 24, 7, 365. It's not possible. We need a day of rest. So that can also, can also help. Uh, thank you so much. I think um, when I was talking of disadvantaged, I didn't have anything in particular, but I like the fact that you mentioned not 50-50, at times you could give 70-30, uh, um, depending with where you are, and you should all give 100%, 100%. So yeah, I think that's brilliant. And thank you so much for the insights.